Today, I will be breaking down who I think will be the 10 best defenses in college football for the 2023 season. Before we get to today's video, though, I want you guys to comment down below your list of top 10 defenses for the 2023 season, along with who you think will be college football's best defensive player. I'm going to spend a few minutes per team talking about their strengths, more specifically the position groups where I think this team is elite in and potentially could be the best nationally in. But without further ado, let's get right into today's video and start at number 10 with the Florida State Seminoles. I think that Florida State's defense is bound to take a step forward this year after last year being a top 25 defense in scoring. The Knolls allowed 20.6 points per game in 2022, and they went 10-3. and They finished ranked 11th in the final eight people. They were the highest ranked team in the ACC, by the way, despite not winning the conference and having one less win than 11-3 and Clemson, who ended up playing in the Orange Bowl and lost to Tennessee. The Knolls were awesome in pass defense. They only surrendered 165.4 yards per game through the air, but on the ground, they surrendered 156.4 yards per game rushing, and opponents averaged four yards per carry on the ground against them. In games where they lost, like Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson, that three-game losing stretch, Florida State, more often than not in those games, struggled to stop the run when it mattered. And those outside of LSU were the three best teams that Florida State played all season. So a tougher, better Florida State defense plays much to Mike Norvell's advantage as this team looks to have potential college football playoff and national championship hopes. I don't think this team's capable of winning a national championship this year, but Mike Norvell and Florida State can always prove me wrong. And a great place to begin is the fact that they have NFL pass rushers. Jared Verse and Patrick Payton, but more specifically Jared Verse or NFL level ends. Verse could have went in the first round last season. He could have went in the 2023 NFL draft and got picked in the first round, but he declined to leave after 2022 and is staying through the 2023 college football season. Verse and Peyton in their career have 82 total tackles, 14 sacks, two forced fumbles, and three passes defended. You see where Florida State has a great pass rush as well at linebacker with Kalen DeRoche and Tatum Bethune, where they have 11 and a half sacks as well, two forced fumbles, four interceptions, and 15 passes defended, along with a monster career number of 269 tackles. So when it comes to pass defense, and you even see this with corner, Mike Norvell went out and got portal players on the D-line and defensive back. Most notably, he got Fentrell Cypress II from Virginia. At corner, 22 passes defended, one interception, 163 total tackles. The question for this defense is stopping the run, whether it's the interior of the D-line, the D-line itself, the linebacker core. Can this team stop the run? And I think they will be much better at that as they have made upgrades at D-line and defensive back. I think this run defense will drastically improve, making this unit a top 10 defense in college football, even with weaker ACC strength of schedule. Up next, we have the Wisconsin Badgers at number nine. 
They're switching to a 3-3-5 defense under Mike Tressel, which I think should do well. There are some that have concerns about this defense in Big Ten play, but whether you look at how TCU beat Michigan last year, it's more about the players. Scheme matters a whole lot, but I trust Mike Tressel as a defensive coach. Wisconsin returns nine defensive starters from last season, and they're top 50 in returning production nationally. And the 3-3-5 defense and the 4-2-5, these are modern, they're modern defenses. They are responses to great offenses, more specifically pro spread and spread offenses, and they work very well in the world of college football with proper coaching. On defensive end, Rodas Johnson and Isaiah Mullins return. In their career, they've had 72 total tackles, four sacks, a forced fumble, and four passes defended. The Badgers return their three best linebackers. I know Nick Herbig, depending on certain circumstances, was classified as a linebacker or defensive end, but for practical purposes, he was the team's pass rusher. So I'm going to classify him more as an edge player or defensive end, which I think I did last year as opposed to a linebacker. Maima Njongmeta and Jordan Turner, I think, are Wisconsin's two best linebackers. 169 career tackles, five and a half sacks, four interceptions, and two passes defended. Njongmeta blew up last season, and I expect him to have an even greater year in 2023. The secondary is an area where there is some potential weakness, but I'm high on the cornerback room. At safety, I know Kamoi Latu returns, Ricardo Hallman and Alexander Smith looked great in Wisconsin's spring game. 46 total tackles, two interceptions, and nine passes defended. You compare this unit with Florida State's, and we're doing that just because it's fair to compare all these defenses and projections, and definitely Florida State has the edge in experience and maybe an overall talent. But the biggest thing for me is defensive coordinator Mike Tressel. I think Mike Tressel's a top 10, potentially higher, defensive coordinator nationally. And that's not just defense, that's not just staff, that's the individual defensive coordinator. Great caller, great schemer, um, helped Michigan State and carried them to eight wins when they had no offense under the late Mark D'Antonio, and also helped Cincinnati's defense in 2021 to play in an elite level despite only having group of five talent. Add this to returning production and the fact that Jim Leonard built an elite system and culture around defense at Wisconsin, which Tressel is taking over, and I think Wisconsin is set to have success on the defensive side of the ball. The secondary, which I mentioned how there could be some concerns there, I think the upside and experience will translate well. At number eight, we have fellow Big Ten team Penn State. Penn State's defense will boast a fantastic secondary and a dominant pass rush. Similar defense to Florida State, but better. Because they recruit better, that's basically it. Recruit better, but they also develop better. Because, for example, they have a guy like Terry Smith, who's been with the program ever since James Franklin came here, former player at Penn State, and he's done an elite job as the cornerbacks coach. His unit, the cornerbacks, could be the best in America. Kalen King and Johnny Dixon, 121 total tackles, three sacks, three forced fumbles, six interceptions, and 35, 35 passes defended, which is absolutely insane. Kalen King and Johnny Dixon both got significant playing time last season, 
from the secondary, Jair Brown at safety and Joey Porter Jr. at corner. They're off to the NFL, but I expect the secondary to reload. At defensive end, Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson are the projected starters there. They have nine sacks in their career and a forced fumble and 75 total tackles. The linebacker room as well for Penn State, elite young talent, experienced and veteran players. I didn't talk about scoring defense for Wisconsin. Look, they're changing their scheme. They lost their defensive corner. There's a lot of changes going on there. And they have, again, regarding to the scheme change, there's just a different defensive style. But Penn State, like Florida State, a lot more experience in regards to schematics and coaching that's coming back compared to Wisconsin. Penn State, they were 10th last year in points allowed per game, only allowing 18.2. However, in games against Michigan and Ohio State, in big games, and I've talked about this in Penn State videos, they allowed they allowed an average of, I think, 40, yeah, 42.5 points per game against Michigan and Ohio State. And against Michigan, they couldn't stop the run. Minnesota had Minnesota, Utah, and some other teams had limited success running as well. Ohio State did occasionally. So the question is similar to Florida State's defense. In the bigger moments and against teams that can run the football, can they step it up? Can they step it up? Defensive tackle, they lost P.J. Mustafer. Hakeem Biaman is going to be a, a good player on the interior of that D-line. And Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, Carter was a newcomer to the program in terms of starting last season. Curtis Jacobs has been starting for years. This is one of the strengths of the defense as well as the linebacker core, where there's a total of 13 and a half career sacks, three forced fumbles, two picks, seven passes defended, and nearly 200 total tackles. Expect this defense to be top 10 nationally, and they could contend to be the number one defense in the Big Ten with the talent that they have. At number seven, we have Utah. The Utes defense, they're going to retool, and they're going to reload. And they lost key players from 2022. They lost an NFL corner. They lost an, a great linebacker. And all in all, this team was, to a certain degree, young last year on the defensive side of the ball. Junior Tafuna was, I think, the 2021 Defensive Player of the Year for either Utah, the Pac-12, or maybe he was a All-American freshman. Um, him and Simone Peppa on the defensive tackle room, nearly 100 total tackles, 9.5 sacks, a pick, and four passes defended. This defense will be the best defense in the Pac-12, period, amen. Oregon State might have something to say about that, but they just missed the list. Once again, linebacker will be the strength of this defense. Linebacker has been an area where in 2021 especially, and also 2022, Utah has done very well in. And at safety, Cole Bishop and Sione Vaki, nearly 200 total tackles, 4.5 sacks, 11 passes defended, and an interception. They do lose key players there. The Utes last year in the Pac-12, they allowed 21.4 points per game on average, which was 27th in the nation in points per game allowed defensively. They allowed 111.4 rushing yards per game, an average of 4 yards per carry. They allowed over 200 passing yards, allowing 222.6 passing yards per game, and about 
one and a half passing touchdowns per game. Offensively, this team returns a ton, and I'm very high on Utah in general, and whether it's Andy Ludwig as the offensive coordinator or Morgan Scally as the defensive coordinator, I think Utah has one of the best staffs in the country. With Kareen Reed and Lander Barton, the linebacker core for Utah, like I said earlier, is just going to continue to have success and feast. This front seven will be the best in the Pac-12 easily. The Pac-12 and secondary groups will be the strongest and most experienced, and I really like this team as a whole and the defense entering 2023. Utah's defense while being strong in the Pac-12 has not played necessarily at a top 10 level, but with the experience that Utah returns, I think this Ute team finally has the potential, not just defensively, but as a team to break out and pursue potentially the college football playoff, like I thought they would in 2022 and how many thought they would in 2019. So number seven, Utah, they'll be a top 10 defense. This might be one of the defenses in the list that has a lower ceiling. I can't see Utah's defense being the best in the country, but I can certainly see it being up here in the top 10, and my power rankings agree with me. At number six, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide. This is an area that has been a familiar face and that I think will continue for Alabama. And by that, I mean fielding a top 10 defense, but not exactly being in that number one category that we used to see before the 2018 season. 2017 to 18 was a major, major change for Alabama, going from a primarily defensive team that still had elite wide receivers, great offensive linemen, great running backs, but from being more of a defensive team to an offensive team. Saban made that switch from 2017 to 18, and he's going back to that. You know, whether it was the fact that Pete Golding just didn't work out on defense, Bill O'Brien didn't work out on the offensive side of the ball either, and Nick Saban's more comfortable. He's a defensive head coach anyway, so he's going to be more comfortable with a defensive-minded team. He's going back to his old ways, and I think that the defense will be helped by that. Because even though last year, Alabama, they were ninth. They were top 10 in points allowed per game. They only allowed 18.2. Let me tell you something. Their defense, when it mattered most, was probably one of the worst in the country. Whether it was the two-point conversion to LSU, whether against Tennessee, they allowed like 52 points. Um, Sneak peek preview a few weeks later, and Georgia's defense just locks Tennessee up. Their secondary play was morbid their play calling, their matchups. It wasn't that Alabama didn't have the talent. They just totally misused said talent. Giving up big plays against Tennessee, a big run to Deuce Vaughn in the Sugar Bowl, nearly allowing Arkansas to mount a comeback. I think that Kevin Steele will be appreciated, even though he is older, and even though I think he's a placeholder higher, I think he will be appreciated by not just the linebacker core, but the whole defense along with the Alabama fan base. Dallas Turner and Deontay Lawson are going to be a dynamic duo. Over 100 career total tackles with 118 and 12.5 sacks with four passes defended. Dallas Turner was the partner of Will Anderson when it came to the defensive, the defensive backfield or midfield. Those two constantly 
constantly abusing offensive lines and torturing offenses. And I expect Dallas Turner to get back to more of his 2021 play rather than 2022 play. I think the linebacker room, the cornerback room, and safety, even with true freshman Caleb Downs, who in my opinion is going to be starting, those areas will be elite. Malachi Moore, he had a great 2020 season, 2021 and 2022 weren't as good. Caleb Downs is coming in as a five-star, and I think he's going to have an immediate impact. All of those stats for safety are Malachi Moore's in his career. The defensive line room is great. I think Jaheim Otis and Tim Smith have the potential for plenty of upside, but we'll have to see how the defensive line room shakes out because they did lose some key players there. But Alabama has the most talented roster in the nation. So expecting this defense to be anything outside of the top 10 with the scheme changes that have been made and Nick Saban's new focus on defense and ball control, I think would be an asinine take. Number five, we have LSU though. And you know that Georgia is higher on this list, but we'll get to them eventually. LSU, this is the first team that we're covering that I think is number one in a position group. LSU is the number one defensive tackle unit in the country. Mason Smith got injured early last year. First game against Florida State. Did not have a chance. And that stinks. Injuries suck. They're unfortunate. I wish they didn't exist. I wish they didn't. Unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. But Mason Smith and Mecky Wingo, that is a scary defensive tackle room. 89 career tackles, 8 sacks, a forced fumble, a pick, and 4 passes defended. And Mason Smith has only played one meaningful year at LSU. 2021, where I think he was a freshman, either true freshman, I think, or redshirt freshman. Immediate impact kind of guy. And it hurt LSU last year to not have him on the field. But him and Mackie Wingo, these teams are going to challenge any offensive line. And they're going to challenge any run game. And I'm excited to see how LSU, Alabama, Georgia, how those defenses just shake out. But I think LSU, they don't just have the best defensive tackle room in the SEC. It's the best in the country. Linebacker, too, I think linebacker as well could contend for the best in the country there. Harold Perkins Jr. and Omar Spates, between them, they have nearly 400 total tackles. And Harold Perkins Jr. started as a true freshman last year. 12 and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, four interceptions, eight passes defended. The Tigers will also contend for boasting that number one unit nationally in the linebacker room. And then for defensive back, 13 interceptions between Zy Alexander and Deuce Chestnut along with 14 passes defended and two forced fumbles. This defense that Matt House commands is going to be one of the best in the SEC, and it could be the best in the SEC. I know that Georgia has had that reputation for a while. They owned it in 2019, they owned it in 2021, and they owned it in 2022, three out of the last four years. But LSU does return more, and I think they have the better linebacker room, and I think they have the better defensive tackle room. But we'll have to see how things work because Georgia recruits better, they have the better reputation, and I think they have the, the better coaching staff on defense as well. But LSU, I think, is probably the only team, unless Alabama has a great year and, and Kevin Steele goes above and beyond what I think and what many of you probably think he will do, LSU can compete with Georgia for that number one defense, not just in the SEC, 
but in the country because Georgia's also owned that title for the past two seasons. Not necessarily in scoring or total yards allowed, but just the way they win games and how that defense shows up in the biggest moments. So that's the final team that's outside of the top four. The top four for a theme would be Big Ten. Number four, Iowa. Iowa's defense under Phil Parker. What do we know about them? Well, what we know about Iowa is that Iowa allowed 13.3 points per game last year, second nationally. They went 8-5, and five, and against Ohio State, they surrendered 54 points. Against Michigan, they surrendered 27. Against Nebraska, they surrendered 24. Outside of those three games, the most points they allowed was 13. And again, the Ohio State game was the only game in which they allowed more than 27. They also shut out Kentucky in their bowl game. Granted, Kentucky didn't have Will Levis at quarterback, but I digress. This team, defensively, is phenomenal. The problem is the offense. Iowa will never be touching a top 10 offense list as long as he who shall not be named is their offensive coordinator. But Brian, not Brian Ferentz, I just named him, whatever. Kirk Ferentz, forget that I said that. Kirk Ferentz, I get him confused with his son. He has commanded a great team when it comes to defense and special teams, not much so offense. The defensive line, linebacker, secondary, this team has no weaknesses, period, amen. On the defensive end side, Deontay Craig and Joe Evans nearly have 30 career sacks, Six forced fumbles, four passes defended, and over 100 total tackles. This team, defensively, I'm, I'm telling you. And then you look at Cooper DeGene and Sebastian Castro, Nick Jackson and Jay Higgins having almost 400 career tackles at linebacker. They're going to reload. They're going to play with discipline. They're going to wait for teams to make mistakes. They have elite depth. And upside, the defensive ends are going to be insane literally and figuratively, and it won't just be Deontay Craig and Joe Evans, but believe me, the defensive tackles will get involved, and there will be depth players who aren't starters who will be in that rotation as well. The secondary, once again, anchor this defense. Elite play at cornerback and elite play at safety. Cooper DeGene and Sebastian Castro will be awesome. Xavier Nwamka, who is a true freshman last year, I expect him to have a breakout year at safety this season for the Iowa Hawkeyes and being all Big Ten safety. So I love this defense, and in my mind, who couldn't? Iowa is one of the more consistent programs defensively along with Georgia. Iowa, I think, is at a top 10 defense for I don't know how many years in a row. But they've had a great defense. They were second in scoring this season, um, 2022. In 2021, they were 13th in scoring, but they still allowed on under 20 points per game. They were 6th in 2020 and 5th in 2019. And I guarantee you, if you adjusted for strength of schedule and efficiency, they would have had a top 10 defense for all four of those years in a row. Up next at number three, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Buckeyes, at defensive end and defensive tackle, will be amazing. And they will have a stout defensive line. JT Tuimolau, is one of my leading candidates for the best defensive player in the country. He will be an All-American. 
Now, him and Jack Sawyer, they haven't been consistent ever since joining the Ohio State program, but now is their time to shine. Jack Sawyer will no longer be playing in the Jack position, which he is totally unsuited for. JT Tuimolau should have multiple games like he did against Penn State last year, except have them this year and have them more than once. In their careers, they've had 13.5 sacks, two forced fumbles, two interceptions, and seven passes defended. Tui Molau owns those two interceptions, by the way, one of which was returned for six. At linebacker, there's All-American players in Tommy Eichenberg, as well as Steel Chambers. The front seven is going to be among one of the best in the nation, which contradicts what they have been historically under Ryan Day. In 2022, the front seven was a paper tiger. Eichenberg was great. Tui Molau at moments was great. But Mike Hall was injured at defensive tackle. The pass rush wasn't as good as it had the potential for, and the secondary was just weak. This team was 24th in points allowed per game last year on defense with 21. But like other teams that we've showcased before, Florida State, Penn State, and Alabama, I would say, in big games, the defense falls apart. Against Michigan, they allowed 45 points. Georgia, they allowed 42 in 2021, Ohio State's defense was 38th in points allowed per game with 22.8. They were 44th in 2020. So this defense is going to be Ryan Day's, I think, second best defense, only behind the legendary 2019 defense that had Jeff Akuda at corner and Chase Young at defensive end. Safety should be the strong point of Ohio State. Jihad Carter comes in from Syracuse and Lathan Ransom returns for more. And there's also Josh Proctor who comes back as well for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Corner, Denzel Burke and Davis and Igbenosin are the projected starters there, and I think overall safety and corner will get better. They will play at a near elite, potentially elite level, and they'll help the pass rush in becoming one of the better pass defenses in the nation, which is a huge turnaround from 2022, where they were the worst pass defense out of all teams in the college football playoff. Yes, that includes TCU, who gave up gobs of passing yards to both Georgia and Michigan. They were the worst pass defense by passing efficiency in the college football playoff. So Ohio State's littered with All-American players, and I think they're going to have a phenomenal year defensively. Jim Knowles is also in year two, so the amount of time that the players have had to process and digest his scheme, that's going to double in time. So that's going to help a lot as well. Number two, we have Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs, when it comes to producing NFL prospects, are the best of the best. They will reload up front and once again field an NFL-ready defense and defensive line in 2023. I expect Nazir Stackhouse to replace Jalen Carter, and I forget his name, but he was taken first overall, Trayvon Walker in the 2022 NFL draft. Nazir Stackhouse, he's going to plug-and-play right at that position, going to be the biggest and best defensive tackle on the team. Warren Brinson, as well, it'll be his pair at defensive tackle. 68 tackles, three sacks in the career. Georgia's defense, they lose a lot for the second year in a row, and that makes me wonder if they can be the number one defense. This is more about when it comes between you know, number three, number two, number one, and really all these rankings, it depends on a lot of things. Returning production, coordinators, 
use of the transfer portal, recruiting, development, etc. Georgia loses a ton. They lost Keeley Ringo and Christopher Smith at secondary. Obviously, they lost Jalen Carter, as well as Nolan Smith, who already was injured halfway into the season, but still a loss is a loss, and it's big. However, Kirby Smart returns several key players at linebacker. Smile Mundon and Jamin D. Johnson are two players that started last season, and they will have a top three linebacker room in the country for sure. Eight sacks between those two, 177 total tackles, one forced fumble, two interceptions, and five passes defended. The biggest thing for Georgia this year is going to be their defensive back unit. Last year, Georgia defensively allowed 14.3 points per game. They were fifth in the country in points allowed per game. And in 2021, we know whether it's the fact they only allowed 10 points per game or just watching that team play, we know they had the best defense in 2021. In 2022, I'm not so certain of that. Their offense scored over 40 points per game, and when they weren't sleepwalking through games like Kent State or Samford or Georgia Tech or Kentucky, this team looked vicious offensively. But outside of that Tennessee game, when it came to Georgia's secondary, whether it was the Florida game or there was a mismatch that allowed, not a mismatch, it was just an incorrect read that allowed a long touchdown, LSU or Garrett Nussmeyer or, and Jaden Daniels just tore up that secondary, or the Ohio State game, where the Buckeyes won by nearly double digits. Nearly. I mean, that game was dominated by Ohio State for three quarters. The secondary was a liability, a huge liability. And that's where I might think that this Georgia defense might be better this coming season than it was last year, because the defensive back unit's going to be a lot better. Malachi Starks, who started as a true freshman last year, and Javon Bullard, those are going to be great players at safety. But don't forget guys like Dalen Everett either at cornerback as well. There's a lot of five stars, high ceiling players that have yet, seemingly yet, to touch turf for Georgia. But the second they do, they're some of the best players in the nation. So lots of praise for Georgia's defense. They certainly, along with most teams on this list, mind you, can contend for the number one spot. In my opinion, the team that will have the number one defense in the nation is Michigan. A lot of that owes to returning production, plus bringing in Josiah Stewart and Josh Wallace in via the portal, along with Ernest Hausman, who was the second-best defensive player in the transfer portal, according to 24-7 Sports. Only behind now LSU cornerback, um, I forget his first name, but Harris, cornerback Harris from Texas A&M, who is rated as a five-star and is going to be a part of that very deep LSU secondary and cornerback room. Michigan's going to have the number one D-line and number one secondary. Linebacker is a room that I have cooled off. I said in a, a while ago, early this preseason, that I thought Michigan was going to have the number one linebacker room, but I don't think Junior Colson or Michael Barrett or Ernest Hausman, at least yet, have that elite killer instinct kind of play. Hausman, I would say, is the best chance of earning that type of play. Colson can as well. Michael Barrett has been around the program for quite some time now. In total, linebacker still should be one of the nation's better rooms, though, and that just goes to show how great this defense is going to be. Over 300 total tackles, 8 sacks, a forced fumble, 
two interceptions and five passes defended. Losing DJ Turner hurts, and that cornerback spot opposite of Will Johnson could be a huge problem. But with Will Johnson, Mike Sandra still Rod Moore, and Makari Page, all of whom I think are going to be elite players at their position, Josh Wallace, who's probably just going to be a great player, I think that makes up the nation's number one secondary. Michigan last season was 7th in points allowed per game, allowing 16.1, which was an improvement over 2021's 8th best defense in the country by points allowed per game. They were the only team, the only team outside of Northwestern, and that game doesn't count because it was in heavy weather and the Buckeyes game plan for that horribly. Notre Dame as well, and that was an early game, but Notre Dame's defense last year when it was on fire, it was on fire. They're one of the only teams to hold Ohio State under 30 points. Georgia couldn't do it, but Michigan could, and I think that's because Michigan's secondary and their defense overall is just much better when it comes to defending the pass. Michigan has more of a pass defense, and what's interesting about that is I think their defensive tackle room this year is going to be better than their defensive end room. Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, those are three defensive tackles that I expect to get significant playing time and to be all Big Ten caliber players. Jenkins and Graham in their careers have over 100 total tackles, four and a half sacks, and a pass defended. Graham last year was in the defensive line rotation as a true freshman, and he was a monster. I think Michigan is the number one defense in the country. I think that this team... Defensive tackle, defensive end, corner, safety, you name it, they're going to be the best in the country. Linebacker is an area where, once again, I don't think they have quite, they don't have an all-American player, I would say, at linebacker. And that's a big deal, because I think a team like Georgia and Ohio State, with Tommy Eichenberg, for example, do. But all of these defenses that I listed here, except for, I would say, Utah's and maybe Wisconsin's they have the potential and the talent to have that number one overall defense for the 2023 college football season. Thank you all so much for watching this video. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell too so you can get notified when I post more college football content like this, and also when I go live tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or live in the future. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.